Hi everyone, this is Austin Bridges welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 24. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end, has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Gary Bean and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well. And today we have a special guest with us. All of us are devoted seekers and students of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions from spiritual seekers that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin Bridges, and you are we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. And today we have a very special guest calling in all the way from Sweden to help us out with our questions today, introducing the wonderful Lana Autio. How are you doing, Lana? Good, thank you. I'm honored to be here. And Gary and Jim, are you with us? With you and ready. Indeed, and ready. All righty. Well, the question that we have today up first is the one that we brought Lana in to talk about uh, because it has to do with parenting in the light of the Law of One. And the three of us normal panel don't have any children, and Lana does, and she's a very devoted seeker of the Law of One. So the question comes from user seeking one via Bring Forth who asks, does anyone have tips on how to introduce the Law of One to children or generally live in accordance with the Law of One while trying to raise younglings, such as discipline, free will, health, learning, etc., etc.? Thanks for your committed service. Much love to you all. Thank you, Seeking One. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with Jim, I think. Jim, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, Carl and I always started our day with what we called a morning offering. And we usually would read from the Law of One there. We'd also read from other books, such as the Bible or other inspirational books. And I would think that, as Ross said, it would be a good idea to introduce any child to whatever way of honoring and seeking the Creator you have, that um, if a person is wanting to start the day off with such a foundation of a spiritual nature that it would be good to include any children as soon as they were old enough to understand uh, you know, some of the basic concepts. I would say that starting off with meditation and uh, talking about treating people well and the basic principles that you're talking about there, uh, I don't know, five or older, um, that would be a good way of introducing the child to what you're doing in your life because I think no matter what you tell a child, they look to see what you're doing, and they pay more attention to that, as most of us do. You know, what does the person do rather than what they say? So that would be my basic suggestion. Gary, how about you? Uh, well, I will begin with a disclaimer that um, I don't have ch- my wife and I don't have children of our own, and um, 
<clears throat> I had a girlfriend for five years who uh, had a young daughter, so I've had some experience, but I, I wouldn't say that I have had the experience of a parent. Um, but in short, I would think that in terms of sharing the philosophy specifically or a philosophy or a way of seeking, um, it makes sense to me that you would share your love of it in a keyword, non-imposing way, um, in a way that uh, drops seeds but never infringes on the child's space to explore and find their own understanding. Um, and the, the only other thought um, that I had was that um, another great and profound and powerful way to share your spirituality with the child is to see the child as the creator. Um, the more that you can consciously and actively and actually see the eternal in and through the form that is your child, um, the more that the highest and best within that soul is activated. And um, the more that you will open that door um, for their own spirituality in whatever form it may take to emerge. Um <clears throat> In addition to Lana joining us for the show, which um, I'm really grateful and honored for, um, we reached out to a few other friends who um, play the role of parents uh, to, and who also um, enjoy the love one and who actively try to bring their spiritua spirituality into the relationship with their children. And um, one response we got back was from an old friend of ours named Lorena. And um, Lorena had this to share with you, Seeking One. She writes, um, Dear parent, all paths have their merit. Your child will search and follow the one that resonates with them at various times in his or her life until death. Give them a reason to want to ask you about your path and know that it is just one of many. Don't be afraid that your child won't follow your path or will choose the, quote, wrong path. Uh, when my daughter asks me about a point of spiritual knowledge, I tell her what my teacher has to say on the topic and then let her know I'm still learning and that there are many people with different answers. I make a point of saying she will have to find her own answers and follow her own path. If she likes the way she sees me living my life, that will inspire her to be interested in my path better than filling her head with any amount of knowledge about my path. A fellow Cella Lorena Lucio. <clears throat> Austin, how about you? Um, very similarly to you and Jim, I have no children, so I'm not very qualified to speak on this. But in imagining a situation where I did have children, I considered the idea that depending on the age, if you want to share specifically the law of one and the things you learn in the law of one, um, it might not do very good to get very specific about it and talk about all the chakras and the pyramids and all the stuff like that. Um, until they're a little older and they can understand. <clears throat> and I would think that uh, a big part of introducing the Law of One to a child would be to be open to the fact that they might not be interested in it at all uh, in the specifics and regarding the actual book or the actual information. Um, and you should be ready to be okay with the fact that they're not going to share this interest that you have, and they may have their completely unique path of seeking. Uh, but if they do, then that would be great, and you could share this information together. But otherwise, uh, I would 
probably suggest just to be completely open to the idea that the child will find their own path and you can share in sort of a secondary way, just showing them what it means to love and accept and forgive, showing them what it means to respect free will and all of the intricacies and difficulties that come with those things in our environment. Um, But I don't really have much else to say, so I think we should probably move along to our honorary parent in the group, uh, Lana. How did you feel about this question? It is uh, an interesting question, and I had like this long, long answer, but I kind of shorted it now so it would bore you with the details. (laughs) (laughs) But it might still be very long. I don't know. We give long answers here. (laughs) Yeah. We bore lots of people on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're really good at that. And like I was saying to you earlier, if people are still listening to us, (laughs) they've learned to transcend boredom at this point. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, What you said, guys, it's all was really good. The most important thing here is to respect the free will of the child. Uh, I think that we have it very balanced here because I'm very spiritual. And my ex-husband, the father of our daughter, is an atheist. So he doesn't believe in anything. So I think it's a great balance. And I always tell her, you need to choose and pick what you want to believe. It doesn't matter what I believe or he believes. Uh, The most important is your own path. So my own guiding star here in regards to everything that has to do with uh, introducing her, uh, introducing the loved one to her and trying to live it and to teach it is to understand her. It is crucial to try to see things from her perspective and then respect her free will. Because uh, when I, uh, as her parent, observe that something is not resonating with her, I need to back off. And by backing off, I mean that I'm there for her, but in the background, like observing and watching and helping, but not intruding on her ways of being. But with this being said, and not, I'm not o- only talking about the low one. I mean, like, it's like trying to leave the low one. So with this being said, I believe that there are moments when we still have to intrude, that it's... Uh, and that is when she's hurting others or herself. And this is actually what something that I'm trying to teach her now. I believe that her free will is paramount and she is free to do or believe whatever she decides as long as her actions does not hurt others or herself. So if she's, for instance, is about to hit another kid, I will stop her. I will infringe on her free will. But that's only because her free will will be taking her to a place where it will infringe on the free will of another one. And the same thing applies to situations where she can hurt herself. I believe that this is my role as a parent, teacher, guardian to protect and to teach her about that. Um, and since it's about the love one and kids, I wanted to share what Ra said about raising the kids. Is this okay with you guys? Yeah, please. <clears throat> yeah, I was expecting you to do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ra said that the appropriate teach-learning device of parent to child is the open-hearted beingness of the parent and the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. This will encompass whatever material the child entity has brought into the life experience in this plane. Ah, beautiful words. 
um, the open-hearted beingness of the parent is actually extremely pleasant and enjoyable to teach, learn for me. It means that I'm open to my daughter with my sorrows, joys, love, and other experiences in a way which perhaps is not common in our society. We don't usually do that. We try to, you know, hide ourselves. And also not so common uh, for me to do with other people. So in a parent-child relationship, I find a perfect ground to learn, teach, and teach learn honesty openness without hesitation and unconditional love there are of course things that the child is too young for and it's exceptions so sometimes when i'm uh, burdened with something and she noticed and asked me about it i just uh, don't give her the details that she'll often wants me to and then i explain to her that that's because i want to protect her her innocence and childhood and because she knows me and trusts me she understands that that why i'm not sharing some details then about the sharing the love one again the guiding star here is the free will of the child it has to do with how much the child is interested and listening in a fascinated way in taking it in i was lucky to have a daughter who's very open-minded and interested in mystery she wants to know so she has like a lot of questions but here uh, I have to also guard the free will of other people by explaining it to her. I have to teach her to understand and to respect the free will of other selves in turn. So she can't go around and uh, talking indiscriminately uh, to other people <laughs> about this stuff. Because one, others might not be interested and not want to hear about it. Two, they might even think that you're crazy. And it's important to learn the child how to function in our society, although you believe completely different things. And three, they might not believe in the same things that you do. Um, then we have meditation, prayers, and analysis, analysis of daily experiences, which are important in our seeking of the creator. And I teach these things to her by example. And that's what you guys mentioned, too, that you, you can talk how much you want to, but the child will see what you do. And for instance, we pray before going to bed each night and sometimes in the morning if there's time, not at the school when the school starts. <laughs> uh, at the dinner table, we say grace. And during the meal, we uh, I mean, the, the dinner, uh, not in the morning, but in the evening, we go through our experiences that that particular day and especially the part where we tell each other what was good versus bad about each day is something that she enjoys to do and that teaches the child to analyze her daily experiences by example then the meditations are tougher of course it's tough for adults too uh, my daughter is nine years now, and she got interested in meditation because I meditate myself twice and sometimes more times per day. Uh, during the day, I tell her when I'm going to meditate, and then I always ask her if she wants to join me. And one day she said, yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> how it's began. So she's not meditating with me every time, but it's a good start. Then about the law of one philosophy itself, I have text, T-shirts, books, and other things where it says all is one. So she tries to read everything right now. So she's like one, which she pronounced one in Swedish. <laughs> uh, and so she has a lot of questions about that. And besides answering to her questions about what it all means, I also try to explain in everyday life of how we're all connected and I teach her to seek the positive interpretation of each experience, like if something negative happens, like, yeah, that's 
that sucks, but what is the positive light of it? And she actually is very good at it. And uh, also to see compassion, uh, you know, like charity, uh, give people, uh, give money to poor people. But anyway, in order to do all that, uh, explain all these things on on her level, I need to try, I need to understand these things myself very well. And sometimes this understanding is done even better when I'm, while I'm trying to explain these things to her. So, but there is no parenting without problems, troubles, and obstacles. My daughter has recently been diagnosed with ADHD. It means, among other things, that she has problems with focus, attention, and impulse control. Uh, So how do you uh, learn, uh, yeah, how do you learn total acceptance of the child beingness, as Ross said, when she can hurt others when she's angry? I'm worried about her and about others, uh, like her playmates. Uh, I mean, it, when she gets angry, she can hurt other people, she can hit them physically. And afterwards, she feels very, very bad about herself because she's very compassionate person she she just can't control herself so what do you do as a parent uh but there is no light without darkness so what ross said about accepting the child beingness and what it brought with it into this plane is not always an easy thing to do but yet is most important one uh i believe to learn and to teach that well that's about what i had to say (laughs) I'm really glad that we brought you on because that is some great insight that probably we never would have thought of. Um, Do either of you have any questions for Lana or anything you want to follow up on with her? Uh, Yeah, you said um, she's joined you in meditation. How does she feel about meditation? Or does she share any of her experience? Yeah, yeah. There was one time she, I, I usually ask her, what do you feel about her? And she tells me about it, that she tries to visualize the light, but sometimes it's, it's tough. So she sees, she sees the darkness and stuff like that. It's not scary, but it's good. She's learning to visualize. (laughs) Well, when you first told her uh, that you were going to meditate, uh, did she ask you questions about like what meditation is and and what did you say? Actually, I don't remember um, because it's been a while uh, that I've been telling her that. It's just recently that she uh, uh, she, she asked me to join, uh, or I mean, she she accepted to join me. Actually, no, I don't remember that. Hmm. I really liked that part about you talking about how she kind of took an interest of her own and you didn't really um, introduce her to it until she showed interest. And that seems to me like maybe a key part of sharing the law of one with children is I think they would probably naturally be curious about what you're talking about and Mm -hmm. what you do and what you believe and probably start asking questions. And then that can be sort of a portal into – introducing them to these concepts is that generally how it's gone with her yes yes and i mean it's it's important to you i think that you can share whatever you want to share with the with kids and other people too it's just that um if you don't have any attachment to that your goal is not to push her into the loved one because you find it good uh it's it's not that it's just you share with her freely 
And if she's interested, she will go that path or she will take hers and it, nothing is wrong. I think it's um, really commendable that um, you have this ritual um, prior to or during dinner um, of reflecting on your day. Because that seems to me, I hadn't considered that aspect, um, but it seems to me a really empowering thing to do in that uh, you're empowering the child entity to really use their own experience. Um, And uh, you're giving them tools so that they can process and learn from the material of their life. Yes, and that's something we don't usually do here in society, so it's an important thing to teach. (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, adult, adults can do that too, you know, between each other. Like when you, Gary, and uh, your wife, when you have a dinner, <laughs> like, what was bad about today? What was good? <laughs> I am constantly teaching my wife, yes. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke. I'm going to tell her. No, no. <laughs> no. Please. Uh, yeah, and not um, only are you helping her to process her own material just by I think the act of alone of reflecting on material is already a step of becoming self-aware and conscious and and empowered therein but also um, when you share your method for processing your own catalyst and the the framework of perception through which you see your own catalyst um, that open exposes her to uh, a way of viewing the world like for instance you could talk about um the philosophical basis of the and the ethics of the decision that you made that day and why you made it and the thinking that went into it and um then she gets this really awesome marriage of um or rather application of philosophy in daily life. Like this is how you applied it to your life. You've taken something that's abstract and given it grounding and meaning in everyday life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When you discipline your child, you remember uh, Ross said since you're in the position of a parent that there is some discipline that's necessary. Do you try to frame your discipline in a philosophical or... Uh, spiritual sense or do you find yourself caught up in the moment and then having to explain it later in this philosophical or spiritual sense you know jim that's a good question because that's the reminder of that last quote that i shared and this meaning where they say this is the reason that some discipline is appropriate in the teach learning is actually a mystery to me exactly what they mean by some discipline do you have any insight to share about what they might mean? Well, you're, you, you're the big person. You're the one that knows what's going on, and you're the parent. So. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sometimes. that's what she's hoping for a while. Um, <laughs> illusory. So in this you're illusion. in that position. You really have to assume it somehow. And if you're going to be relating to her on an intimate basis like that, that you're, you're going to find yourself having to discipline her. Uh, you mentioned if she's going to hit somebody, that you would stop her because that would infringe upon somebody else's free will. Yes. That's a pretty easy thing to explain. But if you get to things like uh, oh, talking, uh, spreading rumors behind somebody's back or saying bad things about people, then it might be more difficult to explain that. And I'm thinking that um, what Rob was probably talking about is just the, the daily round of activities, how we um, behave ourselves is really the way the child is going to see to behave but then we're also going to have to be able to talk to the child about how and why we're behaving as we do. 
So uh, I have a hunch that Rob was talking about just the uh, the daily round of activities, how we relate to the child. So that's why I was asking about how you discipline. You know, is it how conscious are you able to be in your disciplining, or is it something you have to do later to explain why you did what you did because you're caught up in the moment. Okay. Okay, I understand now. I think um, there was, for instance, one time that uh, we were abroad and we were at the in the beach, uh, swimming in the sea, and she can't swim. So I was watching her from the beach in a very close distance, uh, and then she got like deeper and deeper into the waters. And I called her several times that don't do that. I if something happens, I need to be there like in a second, so you can't go out too too long for me. And she didn't listen, so I. I got up and I not like yelled at her, but I told her in a very uh, like firm voice to you go over and sit by my side. And she got really mad at me, but she stood by my side. And then I explained to her that it doesn't matter that you're angry at me. I understand why you're angry at me, but your safety goes before everything else. And that's why I told you in that you know, like unpleasant way. And she understood that. So she hugged me and said, thank you. And so mm. afterwards oh. she listened. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that um, this is an interesting thing because I would be very interested to have somebody who's attempted to raise a rebellious teenager <laughs> with the law of one. But I'd imagine that would be a, even a little more difficult. Um, uh, it's awesome that we'll have a lot of callback to... in about five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Can you, I'm can not, you do this I'm again? I'm not looking forward to that because she will be a rebellious, I believe because of her diagnosis. So, <laughs> oh yeah, my that'll, God. that'll probably be very interesting. <laughs> Because um, I'd imagine, like in that situation, it's beautiful that she was able to understand that you were looking out for her best. Yeah. But I've, uh, my parents said it, and I've heard parents say it when their kids are teenagers. You'll thank me for this later. But in that <laughs> moment, that teenager just does not want anything to do with the parent, and it, it's a resentment kind of builds. And um, I commend all parents of teenagers out mm. there because mm. I remember how difficult I was and I see difficult teenagers. But a, isn't that because parents, like, they tell you what to do and um, uh, you don't want to do it and you don't understand why they're saying you that. And so that's because the way it is, because I told you so. And it's like it's mm-hmm. not an explanation. You need to be open and honest and explain to the child why you made that decision. Even if you can't explain it in the moment because the child is mad and you're mad or whatever, but afterwards the child needs to understand. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that uh, a lot of people just get so tired of dealing with it that eventually they just give up and say, just do it because I said so. Yeah. And I know I've heard that a few times. Yeah. Um, Because I said so. (laughs) Because I said so. Because I'm the adult. Uh, Yeah. Maybe that is a shortcoming. Maybe treating a child more mature and uh, uh, realizing they can understand that when you explain something, it's honest and open. And instead of just trying to discipline and explain the reasonings could be a good thing behind it. But it also teaches you uh, why you make the decisions that you make. For instance, if you just say no because your parents told you no, but you don't question why can't I do that? And if you think about it, like, yeah, really, why not? (laughs) <laughs> and be, yes, because because uh, my daughter's father is like that. She, he is like all the time. No, no, no. But why? Because it's it, the way it is in our society. Yeah, not really good answer. 
That's a really cool uh, take and a really cool perspective in that raising the child and teaching them about the law of one or with the law of one isn't just teaching the child. It's obviously teach learning. Yes. And you're going to be learning from what you're trying to teach. Do you have any things that you've learned uh, specifically or anything that stands out that you've learned from trying to raise uh, your chi- your daughter? Shall I send you the book or the email? <laughs> 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 oh, that's a lot of things. I, I mean, everything that you teach, you learn about and, and it, it, it's an amazing relationship, like most magical relationship between the parent and the child. Just not like someone that said, don't seeing the child as the creator. It's a little entity, but she will be adult. She will grow up. And if you try to see it like a little bit in this way, seeing the creator, you understand that it's not like telling her things. Sometimes you do need to do that, but you learn why you teach whatever you teach. Do I make sense? <laughs> I, I think I, I understand. Think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I was thinking on the, the teenager question to go back for a moment. <clears throat> and um, I think some of the, the friction and resistance between parent and child during the teenage years is that the teenager is individuating and differentiating from their parents. You're finding their own way. And part of that is – um, typically involves resistance to their parents or at least questioning. And so I think the, the more the parent can accommodate that process and accept that um, and the questioning that's going to come up, I think the, the smoother that ride will go, though it's probably inherently going to be bump, a bumpy ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a turd in my teenage years, uh, especially to my mother. I give her all the credit for um, weathering that storm. Um, And I have to wonder, too, if I had been equipped with concepts of free will, whether I would have made more enlightened teenage decisions or whether that would have just um, fueled that fire even more. And I just would have invoked concepts of free will when doing battle um, (laughs) with my parents. I think the latter, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Not just because it's you, but it's because it's the teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. It's also possible that imagine if your mom tried to teach you about free will and then you got your teenage years, you'd probably be like, well, that's, that stuff is stupid because my mom's talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that that brings up a really good point, too, what you just said, that, that the child has to um, or ideally should form their own relationship with spirituality rather than um, have you be the only face for it. Because then when the, if the if a child um, has a bad relationship with you or wants to distance themselves from you or, or so forth, then you're going to be the face of, of that. And the, you know, the, the baby might be thrown out with the bathwater and other words. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also wondering sometimes, I, I, I can't be sure, that the reason why relationships go bad between teenagers and their parents is because nobody reflects on their actions and, mm-hmm. and, and doesn't really talk and not being completely open with each other and honest. It, that was true in my own case, both between me and my mom <clears throat> and my dad to some extent where he came in. But yeah, no reflection, no like um, open communication and conflict resolution. Uh, it was just the fighting and then moving on from the fighting <laughs> and and then more fighting. 
And the respecting your free will is, is not something that happens a whole lot. I think that the fact that it's in your relationship is, speaks highly of you, Lana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, you're, um, what you said, my favorite thing of what you said was, the guiding star is the free will of the child. I think that's a really cool quote. Yeah. Lana Atio, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Now, but entered in the great record of creation. <laughs> um, it also makes me wonder, like, the, obviously the guiding star is the free will. Uh, but imagine a situation where maybe your daughter sat down for dinner and she said, tonight I want ice cream for dinner. <laughs> and it is her will to have ice cream for dinner. Like, how would you um, relate to that? And how would you... Uh, basically tell her no with respect to her free will. Yeah, actually I had it included in my longer version, (laughs) but I cut it out. (laughs) What I said here is we had this discussion recently, and she understood that. And then instantly she asked me, can I eat candy every day? (laughs) It's the same thing as having ice cream for dinner. In Sweden, the kids are allowed to eat candy only once a week, and that's on Saturdays because uh, of consideration of their health. And Mm -hmm. so she realized before I answered her that she can't do that because free will includes respecting her and uh, not hurting others and herself. So she can't do that because she will be hurting herself, her teeth, uh, her health, etc., etc. And as an adult, I guess you're allowed to do that. In some instances, like there are people who are drinking every day or, and smoking, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's bad for their health, and that's fine. That's their free will. But they understand the consequences. As a child, perhaps you don't have this the same conscious understanding of, uh, of what it means, of the consequences, what it means to do certain things. And as the child's guardian, parent, teacher, I, I believe it's my role to teach her that that I I will protect you while you're a kid while you're growing up from the dangers. Uh, so yeah, I I will uh, infringe on your free will from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that goes back to what Jim asked about the the discipline and yeah. what Ra was talking about. And that some cases the discipline is maybe necessary, and it's not necessarily um, like a negative thing to have to infringe upon the free will a little bit. Otherwise the child may grow up dysfunctional or unhealthy or yeah, uh, yeah. not able to fend for itself or know the right thing to do. Yeah. Like in extreme cases, if the child wants to jump from the cliff, uh, it will kill itself. And maybe child, the child doesn't understand it, but you as an adult understand it. So you say, no way you're doing that. I will infringe on your free will. <laughs> But if an adult chooses to do that, well, that's sad, but c'est la vie. <laughs> Your mother should have taught you better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a completely different show to figure out how to use the law of one to relate to adults. <laughs> uh, it's a much more complicated situation. <laughs> Or maybe just maybe not complicated, just a, a different situation. Yeah, I'm yeah. not so sure that all adults understand the consequences either. Of their no, I know. Yeah, that's another show. I don't think they do either. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, it looks like we're uh, getting pretty close to our time. Uh, either of you have any more to uh, ask Lana or final notes on the topic? Well, I just have a final note, and that is to express my extreme appreciation for uh, Lana and, and other mothers and fathers that raise children and try to do it consciously. I think it's one of the most difficult things to do on this planet. I've had little experience with children trying to teach them years ago in grade school. And I was overwhelmed with the amount of energy that it takes to deal with a child's questions and all their energy. And I cannot imagine doing it myself. So, Alana, my hat is off to you. You're doing a great job. And other parents like you, I hope there's more and more in the world today. We need them. Yeah, ditto what Jim said. Thank you so much, Alana, for taking uh, time out of your day to join us. Thank you, guys. I was wondering uh, if we have time to, to finish up with uh, the reminder for us quote. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I already said what they said about the accepting the child beingness and etc. But then they said there are two things especially important in this relationship other than the basic acceptance of the child by the parent. Firstly, the experience of whatever means the parents uses to worship and give thanksgiving to the one infinite creator should, if possible, be shared with the child entity upon a daily basis, as you would say. Secondly, the compassion of parent to child may well be tempered by the understanding that the child entity shall learn the biases of service to others or service to self from the parental other self. This is the reason that some discipline is appropriate in the teach learning. This does not apply to the activation of any one energy center for each entity is unique, and each relationship with self and other self doubly unique. The guidelines given are only general for this reason. Beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really good. Um, good. I think one of the people that we sent this question off to responded basically saying, quoting Ra and saying, how can I do better than that? Like That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do it. Yeah. <clears throat> that was especially nice with the Swedish accent. <laughs> Thank <Aww>. you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, Jim, do you have any final words for our listeners? Well, we just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the show. We hope we were some service to you all. We appreciate everybody that sends in questions. That's what we really need and feed on, and that gives us a chance to be of service. And just want everybody to know we love you a lot, and we hope that you have a great week, and we all see you again next week. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those of you who submitted questions, and an extra special thank you to Lana for joining us today and giving her amazing insight on this complicated question. If you'd like to send us a question for us before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the Archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk with you then.